And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. And as you can see in the bunker, I have actually cleaned out the recliners on the H2O set. Making progress, trying to get everything put back together. And I think I might need another bookshelf in here somewhere. I don't know. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. And uh, it is uh, it is good to be here. And I'm maybe 99% back. Who knows? Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I still have my finger on the cough button. So we'll, uh, we'll get through this. And uh, we are broadcasting live to Odyssey, Facebook, and YouTube. It does look like the signal's going out fairly easily. I don't know. Hopefully, we'll we'll see what happens. So, there is that. The chat's open for those of you who are with us live. If you're not with us live, you can still leave a comment or send us an email. Live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. And if you prefer, you can listen to this program on various different podcast platforms. It looks like we've got some listeners in Germany, UK, Sweden, Russia, Spain, New Zealand, and Canada, among other places. Oh, Canada, right? We've got an item from Canada a little bit uh, a little bit later in the show. I see uh, Dave and Keeley there in the chat. Good to see you both. Uh, good to see uh, everybody here. So uh, we will get to a few different items today because I don't have I don't have anything really worth spending an entire hour on. But some flotsam and jetsam have come across the transom, and so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at a few things. Just some little minor, you know, bits and pieces and and such. So, speaking of podcasts, why don't we start there? Because... The KickVic crew is back. Uh, Monica Rial and Jamie Markey have launched a new podcast... And this is all the time that I'm going to spend on this because this is really not worth the attention. But in the public interest that comes with my broadcast license, as I talked about last week, these are these are news items and uh, the value of which uh, you can determine for yourself depending on how much interest you have. But... Uh, this uh, this came down the pike this week. Veteran voice actresses Monica Rial. This is from uh, where is this? OtakuUSAMagazine.com is this particular article, but it's been in a, a few other places. I think Anime News Network is where it first broke. Voice actresses Monica Rial and Jamie Markey have started a podcast called In Touch. The first episode, which is just under an hour and a half long has been made available, and they're essentially rehashing the Kick Vic drama from three years ago. Nobody seems to be able to let this thing go. Now, the the case, as far as I know, uh, Vic Mignogna brought some defamation lawsuits and such to these people, and the, the, the judgment in the first a wave of this went against him. He was ordered to pay certain fees and 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 such. However, they decide they did file an appeal, and since then, with the pandemic doing what it's been doing, there hasn't really been any movement on the appeal. So the case is kind of stalled. But in the meantime, Monica Rial and Jamie Markey decided to, you know, lower the boom again, as it were, and tell their side of the story about what really happened. And uh, it, it, according to this article, may include publishing some legal documents. Now, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on TV, 
But at first glance, I can't really see how this is a good idea. I don't. Because anything that you say, I mean, (sighs) if there's a podcast wherein people talk about another person and they make allegations and they make accusations and they level charges and whatnot that can or cannot be substantiated, you're going to be running a risk there because what if you say something about a person and say in this particular case, you know, Monica Real says Vic did so and so, X and so, whatever. That's actionable. If you start throwing out things, especially if they are provably untrue, or if there's no way to prove they're true, it's just rumor, hearsay, slander, then you've done that now on record. And there's a recording of you saying those things. That could be a problem later on down the road. I I'm just I'm just on the outside looking in at all of this. I don't I don't think that this is a very good idea, but this crew has not has not been wealthy in the side of good ideas. I mean, I just it uh, they've demonstrated uh poor judgment before and I think this probably uh, falls into that category. We'll we'll see what happens when uh, when Monica's boy toy gets involved here and see what uh, what he says uh, about things. I can't even remember his his name. What's what's his name? Ron Toy. Yeah, Ron Toyer. Uh, Dave says, "Geez, Jason, I could see you playing an attorney on Barnaby Jones for Quincy." <laughs> well, that doesn't date us at all, does it? <sighs> Uh, what about, good to see you in the chat, says these people uh, are proving they don't care about defaming others, even if it means they get sued. Yes, uh, and, 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 that's, and yes, uh, thank you, X, Ron Toy. Um, do we know, is it, is it Toy Toye? Does it matter? Does anybody care? Anyway, all right. So there is that item. Cross that off the list. I, I don't have any plans to cover this with any depth. Uh, just just making people aware that things, what are going on. Now, this is a follow-up to something that we had talked about a while back. I guess last week. Uh, there was speculation that Pablo Hidalgo might be in trouble at Lucasfilm. Uh, some discussion about the fact that he had removed his Lucasfilm affiliation from his public-facing Twitter account. Now, he's got two. He's got two Twitter accounts. One of them is his private, locked-down, you-can't-see-what-I-say Twitter account. And it's in that one where he started slamming uh, fans of Star Wars. Now, the public-facing account, he hasn't done quite as much of that. <clears throat> but last week, or the week before, I can't remember exactly when, he, he pulled his Lucasfilm affiliation out of the bio, and people started speculating, what does this mean? And there was discussion about a few tweets that he had put out there, basically saying that uh, there was some disagreements between Lucasfilm and Bad Robot as concerns Coruscant, for The Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams wanted to blow up Coruscant. And Lucasfilm said, Nope, can't do it. We need Coruscant for other things. And so they compromised and, and Hosnian Prime became the planet that got blown up. So, I, I'm not exactly sure how that puts... Lucasfilm and Bad Robot in a bad light, but the speculation was, you know, Pablo's talking out of turn, and he got his wrist slapped, and he got suspended. That was the speculation. Again, you know, I'm I'm barely putting... 
I'm barely putting two thoughts into this because it's not that important. But I'm bringing it to your attention just because. Because Pablo Hidalgo has followed up on his public-facing Twitter account, which still does not have his Lucasfilm affiliation on it anymore. Uh, And he says here, and I quote, A tiny unsolicited bit of advice. If you're trying to get a juicy rumor started, it helps if the subject of it is interesting and or important. Now, I'll agree with him there. Public Hidalgo, in the grand scheme of things, he is not important. He does have a history of Lucasfilm, and that makes it relevant to some conversations. And how important he is within the context of the story group is still up for debate. Uh, Continuing, it says, Also, yesterday marked the start of my 23rd year at the company, so I'll just take it all as misspoken. Congratulations and leave it at that. So, Pablo Hidalgo, is he trolling? Did he, did he pull, that, uh, pull that out of his bio just to get t- tongues wagging and, and, you know, people speculate and whatnot, and then he comes back and says, Ha-ha, fooled you. Who knows? These people, <clears throat> and I say these people in a very broad brush application of the term these people are petty I would not put it past any of them to do that kind of thing but at the same time it's not just uh, it's it's not just people like Pablo Hidalgo that are that are trolling and, and getting online and posting some things or changing some things, get people speculating about some things, because Ethan Van Skyver did it too. And there's still, there's still an internal debate going on in my mind. I've had some, I've had some back and forth discussions with Ethan on email. Uh, to talk about him coming on the show at some point. I th- I still think that that conversation would have some value. Uh, and I need to follow up with him and, and see. I mean, schedules being what they were, it's just kind of gotten away with me, uh, gotten away from me. But so a few days ago on the 4th of February, Ethan posts on his Twitter account, I got a very interesting call today. Anyhow... Here's some fun stuff from my DC Comics days. And he puts a bunch of Green Lantern stuff, Justice League stuff. Um, and that got people wondering. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? And yes, it takes, it takes exactly 10 minutes of research into the Vic Mignogna case to start seeing Real and Marky's stories start falling apart. Exactly. It was very clear from the beginning that this whole kickback thing was a hit piece, especially since one of the accusers misidentified who it was in the elevator. There was a particular uh, a particular incident that was that was referenced over and over again. And it turns out that the person that was in the elevator was a different voice actor who's got some shady circumstances of his own uh, with regard to, uh, well, let's just say he had an interest in someone who was a little underage and in order to circumvent legal problems married said underage person. And that, per- that, that voice actor, I can't even remember the name of the person now, that voice actor was the one who was misidentified as Vic, and turns out it's not Vic that was, that was in there. So half of the stories with regard to, uh, to Vic Mignogna never even uh, proved to be anywhere remotely close to the truth. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things. All right, so so Ethan's trolling. Ethan says he's uh, uh, he's gotten a very interesting phone call, and he starts posting a bunch of old stuff from his DC days. And in the midst of all of his commentary about the Joe Rogan situation, I'm not going to go through any of that. Uh, but he does uh, he does say 
Uh, that. Uh, let me get to the next a next piece here. There was some drama with the quartering. Okay, fine. Um, where's the rest of it? Because people are keep talking about people keep talking about Ethan. I mean, how how is it? Why is it that Ethan lives rent free in so many minds of people who who don't like him, who don't who don't want to have anything to do with him, and yet they're going to keep talking about him? It just it just strikes me as being a little unhealthy, possibly. Um. Just, it just does. Uh, okay, so here's some stuff about uh, various different heroes getting uh, getting lantern rings. And uh, here he says, uh, he's, if, if people think that he'd betray Comicsgate or give up Cyberfrog, uh, they're cynical uh, people that hang out with Linguini-spined frauds. He, he's basically saying, nope, not going to happen. But right after that, uh, he posts this photograph. Uh, Todd McFarlane is rocking the DC Multiverse line. Amazing. He's independent, but still working for DC and producing amazing stuff. Kind of makes you think. Again, trolling. Trolling, folks. Uh, Ethan went on his own stream this morning and said that there's no way he's going back to DC. Uh, he has admitted, he even said uh, this morning that uh, that he's not planning to go back. But it's still, you know, this this kind of thing. He says instantly, you know, unblocked and followed by a bunch of mainstream comics pros. They know what's going on. And what's going on? You know, he posts a photograph of him and Jeff Johns. Now, Jeff Johns, remember, was the subject of some accusations from Ray Fisher... And now Jeff Johns is back at DC to write some more comic books. And Ethan Ethan did a lot of artwork for Jeff Johns, especially on the Green Lantern stuff. So, you know, people are sitting there going, is Ethan coming back? Is Ethan coming back? No, Ethan's not coming back. He's, he's not going back to DC. Let's just, we'll, we'll just put a, we'll put a pin in that one. And if, if it turns out that he actually does come back to DC, that'll be, uh, that'll be a surprise for a lot of people. But anybody that's been paying attention to what's going on, I'd say there's a, there's a 98% certainty that he's never going back to DC. I I would say that Gina Carano has a better chance of returning to Star Wars than Ethan Van Skyver has of going back to DC Comics. Because there's always a possibility. You never say never. Because the whenever you end up saying, oh, I would never do that then circumstances have a tendency to betray you. I speak from experience on that because there are certain things where I have said, oh, I would never do that. <coughs> and some things kind of have a tendency to work out to where you're in a position where you end up doing something you say you never would do. And good or bad. I mean, it's not necessarily you're going to do something, you know, illegal, immoral, unhealthy that you said you'd never do. But any anything that you say you'd never do. Oh, I'd never sing karaoke. Oh, I'd never go to a K-pop concert. Oh, I'd never do fill in the blank. Circumstances have sometimes uh, betrayed me. <clears throat> and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So, you know, there's that. Speaking of betrayals, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this one today. I want to get more in-depth in this. Uh, I've sent an email to Valiant Renegade. He's done a video on this, and I'd like to get some more in-depth conversation from various people on this one. Uh, this is the Wall Street Journal 
from, I believe, yesterday or uh, updated on the 7th. Uh, Matrix co-producer sues Warner Brothers over HBO Max streaming release. So this is from Joe Flint, uh, updated on February the 7th. In the latest battle over streaming, the co-producer of the Matrix Resurrections sued Warner Brothers, claiming the decision to release the movie simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters breached their contract. Now what's interesting about this is not necessarily, I mean, yes, you've got that particular aspect of the lawsuit, but within the details of the lawsuit, the, the document is something like 50, 52 pages or something like that. Uh, uh, Valiant Renegade has printed it out. I need to go through and, and look at it myself. But within, and we're starting to see articles pop up, that within the discussion of what damages has been, and you know, what, what harm has been done, what consequences there have been, there's a mention that apparently Village Roadshow and Warner Brothers were working on a television series based on and set in the same universe as uh, um, uh, the Tom Cruise time loop movie. What was that? Tomorrow? uh, Edge Edge of Tomorrow. With Emily Blunt. And there was discussion that there was this there was this possibility that there was going to be a TV show developing, and okay, what's what's the details on that? So I'm going to go through this. I'm hoping that uh, that we can get some some discussion, or maybe get Richard Hogan here to talk about this. Uh, get Valiant Renegade in here. I've sent him I've sent him a couple of emails. I'm I'm betting that I got caught in his spam filter. So if any of you have a line on Va- Valiant Renegade, send him a note. Let him know I'm trying to get a hold of him. Would you? All right. So um, Dave says it's interesting that Village Roadshow is seeking an injunction on all their properties with Warner Brothers, which are in process. Yeah. They, well, and and I can totally understand that. It's like, hey, you screwed up the plan on this one project. We don't want to move forward on any project until we get that cleared up. Because who's to say you're not going to screw up the next one? And there's still uh, there's still a bad taste in the mouth for a lot of people with regard to this day and date stuff. Uh, I'm seeing, we got an email this morning. Um, HBO Max, let's see, where is it? There was a, there's a, there's a new one that's coming. Uh, either Peacock, I think it's Peacock, is going to have a show coming that's going to be a day and date thing as well. I want to say Peacock, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's HBO Max. But this day and date thing really kind of sticks in the craw for certain people because... You know, this is oh, it's it's uh, it's Firestarter, the new Firestarter Stephen King uh, project uh, is going to be uh, going day and date theatrical and Peacock. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because that's NBC Universal, and I had said at the at, at one point uh, that. Sony and Universal were really the only ones left that didn't have any streaming service, but I guess that's not the case because Universal, NBC Universal, they've got Peacock. So I didn't think that all the way through. Now that happens. There are a lot of people out there that are making decisions and they don't think it all the way through two, three, four steps down the road, what the consequences of this are going to be. And I think the day and date thing is part of that where people are like, we just need an immediate thing, right? This is how we get people to look at our streaming service. And they're not thinking about the consequences down the road of what this is going to do to the theatrical releases. Uh, X says, didn't Scarlett Johansson or some actors threaten to sue over the same thing? Disney releasing a movie on their platform the same day as theater releases. Yes, uh, Scarlett Johansson actually did sue Warner Brothers. uh, Not not Warner Brothers, sued Disney about uh, the Black Widow release because the original plan was to put Black Widow in theaters for, I think, 30 to 45 days and then put it on Disney+. And then they, at the last minute, changed that and said, nope, we're going to go day and date and put it in theaters at the same time we put on Disney+. 
behind a paywall. So the the Disney Plus release was behind a $30 paywall. You had to pay extra. If you have Disney Plus, you pay extra, you get to see Black Widow. And the reports, I believe, were that it made something like $60 million in, uh, in Disney Plus premiums. But the lawsuit argued that you're basically cutting your nose off to spite your own face because that, that much damage is being done to the theatrical box office. And when you start jinking around with those numbers, that affects payouts. That affects percentages and royalties and points and and stuff on the back end, and that was the na- that was the the nature of Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit, is your release strategy has done harm to the long term profits of the theatrical window, and thus has all, uh, affected my income, my payout, my deal, so. That that was the nature of that uh, uh, that lawsuit. So you know they made a deal, and you know some people have have speculated that that was a coordinated thing between Bob Chapek and Scarlett Johansson to try to get some stuff done on the sly. I don't know if there's anything to that, but it will be interesting to see if uh, Disney does day and date anymore. I think I think they're going. I mean. Seeing red, that new uh, that new Pixar thing went straight to Disney Plus. They didn't even do a theatrical window for that one. So, but you know, you turn around, you look at what Spider Man No Way Home's been doing, and if theatrical windows can stay thirty to forty five days, I think that's a a decent enough compromise. I mean, I I remember when movies were in theaters for six months. You know, four months, six months, and and then they'd come back. You know, Star Wars was in theaters more than once. And yes, it was Star Wars. I will die on that hill. So, uh, Dave says, a comparison between Village Roadshow and Legendary, the pros and cons of the release, would be interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think, uh, you know, Dune was another victim of all of that. I mean, they did a theatrical and they did the day and date, but, um, I, I think that could be very well be one of the reasons why Denny Villeneuve didn't get a, a best director nomination at the, at the Academy Awards because he spoke up against day and date. That's a theory of mine. I could be wrong. It's been known to happen. Uh, X says, this may be the opening indie filmmakers need to start getting more access to theatrical releases. Possibly. Um, the, the, the challenge for theatrical releases for anybody, <coughs> especially if you're dealing with indie, indie creators and low-budget productions, is your marketing budget. Because uh, especially with low budget indie, you know, uh, indie finance stuff that you you pay out of your pocket or you're on you're on all of your credit cards maxed out to make this thing. You don't have a whole lot left in reserve for marketing and marketing expenses are quite high because if you're going to do some kind of theatrical window, depending on how many theaters you get and 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 this could be. You go to every single theater yourself and go through the efforts of getting your your movie into various different theaters individually, one by one by one, which takes a lot of time and is inefficient. Or you find a distributor who's willing to pick up and market your film at either one of the film markets or direct distribution or whatnot, or you go through something like IMDb and create space and, and you just, you know, you create your own DVDs and you sell them yourself. But that doesn't do a, th- a theatrical window. If you're trying to get a theatrical window, then you need to have a distributor and you've got marketing expenses and you've got uh, fees that are involved in that kind of thing. So getting into theaters is not that easy uh, with regard to the smaller stuff, if you don't have a budget, even if it's in the theater, you got to let people know that it's there. So yeah, you can do some stuff with, with social media, 
but you need to do some kind of advertising. You got to have a PR firm. You got to have a, a, an email database. At some point, you got to have some kind of a list somewhere where you can blast the news out that says, hey, my movie is in this theater. Go see it. So it's a, it's a challenge. It, it really is. I mean, I've, I've done one feature film in my day. I've done a number of short films and getting the word out that this thing even exists is a challenge. You know, I've got a book out there and, you know, I've got I've got a link to it in in our show notes. But, you know, sitting there saying, hey, I, I published a book. I published a book. It's it's there's an effort that's involved in making people aware that you have this thing that you made, whether it's a book or a movie or a TV show or a short story or a short film or whatever, you know, the effort to take, because, you know, this channel, for example, you know, I'm, I'm on social media all the time putting links out and saying, hey, go see this video, here's this video, here's this video, here's this video. And we come close to cracking 2,000 subscribers and we kind of, you know, YouTube pulls away two or three of them and then we come back and we go, go back and we come back and, you know, two, two steps forward, two steps back. So it's, it's one of the things uh, that uh, takes a lot of effort. And Mazers, that's actually not really off topic because, uh, because one of the things that makes YouTube channels like this successful and I say YouTube channel. This is a TV channel on YouTube. Um, and the the activity in the chat, all of the dialogue, all the all the all the back and forth in the chat, that actually is part of building the channel because more activity in the chat, uh, you know, people are interacting, people are there. you start to get, you know, you start to get having these conversations. you get to know people. And you look forward to interacting with them again. And so you go back and you want to see, well, hey, what's everybody up to? And, and these side conversations can be going on and it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in the channel. And that's fine. And that interactivity, that sense of, dare I say, community, those friendships, those connections help build the channel. So we'll see. Um <clears throat> and yeah, well, the, yeah, yeah, slightly smiling face. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the widget that I have here. A lot of these widgets don't like emojis. They don't, they don't recognize emojis yet as far as what this, they, they won't populate the emojis in the, in the chat. So, uh, anyway, X, uh, asks what the book is about. It's a, uh, it's a science fiction piece. It's called The Hero at the End of His Rope. It's about, it's about a, uh, a freighter pilot named Richard Thorpe who just wants to be left alone. He's got a history, and there are some people that are after him, and they catch up with him, and the chase ensues. So it's a, it's, it's a, short, it's a short novella, really, and it was kind of an experiment for me. Uh, it started off as uh, an attempt at flash fiction, and it ended up being longer than flash fiction. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to do something here and, and try this. So every single chapter has, has the same number of words in them, except the last. It's, I think it's a thousand, a thousand words in every chapter, except for the last chapter, which has 666. And there's a reason for that. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things. It's, if you, if you look at, you know, he's a Han Solo, Malcolm Reynolds type, you know, just leave me alone. He's got the buddy, you know, the alien buddy and, and who, who gets him out of trouble and there's a girl, she's got red hair. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's, a. Uh, it was a fun little bit, and I'm actually thinking about expanding it. I've been looking at uh, possibly an expanded edition that I could then launch on Indiegogo and crowdfund. In addition to, <laughs> in addition to our print magazine that we've been talking about doing. So uh, who knows? Uh, the hero at the end of his rope might not be done. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, when we get back, uh, a couple of other real quick little things, 
and uh, and then we'll head out. So don't go anywhere. We'll be uh, we'll be back right after this. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here, inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week, plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse, every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. You know, it helps to turn everything back on. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dave. Um, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to have everything go perfectly, 100% right all the way through. I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame the Sudafed, right? All right, there we are. Uh, Dave says, I work for WBPR in college. It's one thing to make a film. It's another to get butts in the seat to watch it. It is. I did my time uh, as, uh, as an intern in a, in a PR firm down in Dallas. Uh, and one of their clients was the Walt Disney Company. So, uh, you know, this is back during the days when we had uh, The Rocketeer and Serafina and those, those films way, way back, early 90s. So, uh, yeah, it's, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And, you know, you get you get people just even to be aware of your project uh, takes a lot. And, of course, that was back in the day just before social media. So newspaper ads were a thing. Radio ads were a thing. And they still kind of are. But I think for a lot of people, you have the the whole... Uh, you know, premiere the trailer on YouTube and you get the fan films and you got all these other things. And, and social media is a big part of that marketing now too. But it still involves hiring people who have that expertise uh, who can turn, uh, you know, whatever your marketing material, you've got to put it on Instagram, you got to put it on Twitter, you got to put it on YouTube, you got to put it on Pinterest and, and wherever else it takes a lot of work so you know it's it's it's, it's uh, none of it's easy none of it's easy all right just uh just to, to point this out I'll throw this I'll throw this up here just because somebody asked me so the hero at the end of his rope it's available on Amazon uh Kindle and paperback so uh oh it looks like there's one used that's interesting. <laughs> I haven't sold very many of these anyway, so so there it is. That's my that's my attempt at a Saul Bass style cover. Uh, so uh, so there you are. There's uh, the hero at the end of his rope. I don't think anybody has done any kind of review or anything on this. Where's where, we got uh, we got some we got some reviews. Uh, entertaining, action-packed sci-fi thriller novella. Clever, fast read. We got four star and a five star rating. That's uh, that's always fun to see, right? So there we are. Okay, so <coughs> the novels, books from the Canadian Ministry of Truth. Now, those of you who have read 1984, you are familiar with the Ministry of Truth. The Ministry of Truth tells you what is true. And if that changes, they'll tell you what is true. And of course, things things continue to evolve and change. And as we get through what's going on up in Canada, the Ministry of Truth, of course, is telling us what is and what is not true. Uh, here is a story in the Globe and Mail. It's an opinion piece, but it's in, you know, the Canadian Ministry of Truth. It's all one big machine up there. How truck convoy supporters like Pierre Poivier have weaponized freedom. I'm not going to get into this. I'm, this is not a political discussion. This is a 
let's turn the 1984 filter on and see what's going on. Because a lot of people still don't understand that 1984 was a warning. Not an instruction manual. Animal Farm, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World. Not, not instruction manuals. Uh, but, but it's interesting that this is not the original headline for this article. This is, this is, uh, this was published over on Twitter. This is a, a frame grab. Somebody, somebody grabbed it. Opinion. The alt-right has weaponized freedom to undermine democracy. And I look at this and immediately what comes to mind Slavery is freedom. The amount of twisting and double speaking that is involved in something like this, weaponizing freedom to undermine democracy. I mean, if that's not a 1984 Ministry of Truth headline, I don't know what is. Folks, I I offer this I offer this challenge. You should read 1984 at least once a year. Or one of these dystopian fiction novels because we are very much on the brink. And I don't I'm not, I'm not going to get all Alex Jones conspiracy theory on you, but there's a reason why these books have stuck around for so long. There's a reason why they're they're still relevant. 1984, Brave New World, Animal Farm. I saw I saw a chart the other day uh, that had other other novels in there. Hunger Games. Um, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to read those books and to see what's going on in real life, in the real world, and think, how how have we gotten to this point? At what at what moment did we lose the plot? And how do we get it back? Uh, X says, I won't hijack the stream. All I can say, if you want any idea what's going on in Ottawa, turn off Twitter, turn off MSM, uh, mainstream media. Look at the live streamers, Viva Fry, Zot, Adam. Uh, uh, yeah, Viva Fry was part of that lawyer panel that Riketa had put together on the Rittenhouse trial. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a smart cookie. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of the stuff coming out of Canada. It's... Uh, You know, and I talked to my mother about this. My mother and I have conversations about this stuff on occasion. And my mother, God love her, she is uh, more optimistic, I guess you could say, than I am with regard to some of this stuff. Uh, I'm, I guess, I, I guess you could say I'm a cynic, maybe. <coughs> I hear you over there. A little bit of a cynic. I personally think that 2022 is going to be worse than what we've seen before. But there are some signs of hope. There are some signs that things might get better. Who knows? Uh, there are currently, as far as I know, I think three different provinces in in, uh, in Canada that have decided to lift restrictions. Uh, Alberta, Quebec, and what was the other one? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. So, uh, so the progress. Progress. So continue to weaponize freedom to undermine democracy, right? You know, and, and we've probably just been demonetized, so. <laughs> All right, so last last thing, we've, we've been talking about this, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because this is one of the different uh, this is one of the different topics we've been we've been monitoring, we've been covering here, 
and discussing in some depth. But uh, this news now, this is a Hollywood Reporter uh, publishing today. Discovery Warner Media merger gets U.S. antitrust clearance. So this has uh, this has cleared the hurdle of the Department of Justice, Federal Trade Commission, whatever government agencies that there was concern that might not let this thing go through. We've been talking about this and uh, the the Biden administration, the, the Biden White House, uh, whatever, whoever's running, who's ever running the administration, their Department of Justice had uh, been putting out signals that they were going to be a little bit more stringent, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more scrutiny on these things, and so some people were con- concerned that uh, that some of these deals, some of these big mega mergers, might not go through. The Discovery uh, Warner Media deal was one of them. Microsoft Activision is another one. We'll have to see if that one clears a hurdle because it's it's still. Activision is still facing some lawsuits in uh, in California, so uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, X gives us two dollars Canadians as now you're slightly remonetized. Well, thank you very much for that. I do appreciate it. That's always that's always nice when uh, when we get a tip like that. That's that's fun. Thank you, thank you very much. And it's good to, good to have you in here. I don't think I've seen you in the chat before. It's good to have new people here all the time. Uh, from the article here in the Hollywood Reporter, the planned mega merger of Discovery and AT&T's Warner Media has cleared the U.S. antitrust hurdle. Discovery said in a regulatory filing on Wednesday. Wednesday's news marks a major step for the mega deal, which telecom giant AT&T recently said is expected to close in the second quarter. Discovery shareholder approval for the transaction is the last major outstanding green light, but it is widely expected as the company previously secured support for the deal from major shareholders John Malone and Newhouse. AT&T doesn't need shareholder approval for the merger. Uh, now, it's interesting to note that John Malone, a major investor in Discovery, has been very vocal in his criticism of CNN and to see how CNN is currently imploding now uh, the latest is uh, the latest involves Don Lemon apparently the lawsuit or whatever criminal charges or what I don't even remember what it was now but whatever that case is has been given the green light to move forward so Don Lemon is the next one some people were thinking that Brian Settler might be the next one, but Mr. Potato Head is going to stick around for a little bit longer. Don Lemon, the next one who's got a target on his back. CNN's just collapsing, folks. What does that do to the value of Warner Media? Who knows? Uh, but John Malone has been very vocal in his disdain for what CNN has become. And, you know, you look at... Uh, not just CNN, but DC Comics, Warner Brothers, Warner Television, Warner Media, and all of those different things. And changes could be a coming, folks. And that could involve also that could involve some changes at DC Comics. So could Ethan Manskyver be coming back? See how I see how I bring it all back. I don't know. I, it's 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 all one big, it's all one big mess. So, but yeah, it looks like uh, so the discovery uh, discovery Warner Media deal is going through. So I guess the next uh, the next big one to keep an eye on is uh, Microsoft Activision, uh, but also MGM Amazon is sitting out there still. Uh, and then we've got uh, Take Two buying Zynga. We've got uh, Dish. And DirecTV in talks again for a merger, which originally got, got you know, they put the kibosh on that regulatory. So who knows if that one's going to be able to move forward. And of course, we've got Sony buying Bungie. So still some deals to look at. But this this one here with Discovery Warner Media getting the green light to move forward, that's that's kind of a big heap of deal. 
So we'll keep an eye on that one. And I'm sure that we will circle back to some of these different topics and have discussions with them. Like I said, I'd like to have some people in so we could do a panel discussion on the Village Roadshow lawsuit. So hopefully in the next few days, uh, maybe maybe next week, we'll get a little bit more in-depth on that one. And uh, we didn't have a Superman and Lois this week because of the Olympics in, uh, in nuclear winter China. So... Uh, so we won't have a Superman and Lois discussion tomorrow, but we will have a show. I'm just not sure what we're going to be talking about yet. But uh, do uh, do join us for that. And uh, if you are so inclined, you want to join us on all the various different social media platforms. We're on almost all of them. We're not on TikTok. We're not on Tumblr. We're not on Snapchat, but you can find us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Gab, Minds, MeWe, Parlor, Getter, Locals. And at some point, uh, the Discord will be uh, usable. We've got it and we're setting it up. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do with it. Uh, there's a tip jar over there at PayPal. We've got a newsletter to sign up for. And if you've got material you want us to review, whether it's a comic book or a short film or a feature film or whatever, you can send that to us. There's our mailing address there as well. And that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everybody in the chat for being here. X and Dave and what about and Mazerus. Who else did I see in there? Uh, earlier, uh, you, yeah, uh, Mrs. Boss is in there. So, uh, so that's it for us today. I will leave you with this thought. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. The media wants you to think that there are five lights and they will do everything that they can to try to convince you that there are five lights. But there are four lights. Back tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.